0: Hello, Internet. This is Chase our a.k.a. the Red Shirt King. And welcome to another very special edition of the incredibly poorly named eSports Gambling Hour. We really, uh, we're coming up with a new name. I don't know if you saw on our Twitter poll, Walter and I are coming up with a new one. The best we've come up with so far is Rough Drafts, which, A, I think says a lot about us, that we just immediately go for self-deprecating in terms of what our title would be. Uh, And second, we've been told that maybe we need to make a second attempt at that rough draft of a new name. But we are working on it. Uh, until then, you're just going to have to focus on the quality of uh, the content here. And I am very happy to be joined by Jen Kennedy from Gold Ten to go over the recent DreamHack Heroes of the Storm tournament. Jen, how are you doing?
1: I'm pretty good. Pretty good. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. It's always fun when we get to talk about Heroes of the Storm on this show because it's one of those games that uh, you know I didn't really follow until quite recently. So I'm kind of, you know, it's like that, you know, that first couple Christmases where you're like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. (laughs) There are trees. There's a Santa dude and the cookie, like just every little bit is still very new and exciting to me. And I really loved seeing this tournament in particular, because I felt like that, you know, what we saw a lot about where the game is going in this new season and some of the recent changes, how that's really impacted the meta. Was there anything in particular that stood out to you as surprising about just some of the trends we saw in terms of hero picks or some of the stylistic choices that uh, that differed from what we've seen previously?
1: Uh, yeah, I think the meta was actually a lot more narrowing than I remember at BlizzCon. Like At BlizzCon, we saw some weird picks, you know, like Cloud9's Murky and... Some weird things like that, whereas mostly here you saw the typical, you know, first band Charande, then the other people ban ETC, and then first pick Kael'thas, or, you know, it was mostly the same thing. So I was actually a little surprised on that. But some of the picks that got really popular, um, that weren't popular in BlizzCon, is uh, Falstad, which is uh, pretty cool. So I'm hoping to see some more Falstad picks. And he just brings a new way that teams have to play around his ability to split soak and uh, just kind of fly in fly past them maybe mighty gust people back so i'm actually really excited for people to play some more
0: false death. He's such an interesting hero when you look at the kind of fights that he creates because he yeah. has that disengage in the mighty gust. He has the flight, so you you constantly have to be aware that he could come in at any moment, uh, which makes so many of these objective plays so much more risky than they used to be. And I really do think you know that's a, a great example of. You know how much just switching a couple talents around. You know, as far as yeah, you know, exactly. the order in which you get them can just make a huge difference. Uh, he was the uh, tied for the second most played hero at this tournament. Uh, he and ETC were each played 28 times, <laughs> uh, which is pretty incredible. Uh, mostly because neither one of uh, one of them got a whole bunch of n- bans per se. It was it was really interesting just to see how mm-hmm. Europe kind of came together on those decisions and also on maps, which I know we don't really talk about map choices as much when we break these things down, but the fact that we didn't see Blackhearts Bay or Haunted Mines at all, and we basically didn't see the Garden of Terror until the semifinals and the bracket stage, I thought was very Mm -hmm. interesting. We just all agreed, like, these are the maps, this is Europe, this is what we do, and we all agree on this and that's fine. Um, One of the teams that maybe, you know, looking back on this might have been willing to change some more things if they knew this is how it was going to end for them, it would probably be TCM Gaming, the first team to fall out of this uh, this tournament. Obviously, it was a team that we knew was going to be challenged, given that they were missing their captain in Ace of Spades. Uh, they had to get ADRD and uh, uh, Rizif, I guess. I don't know how to pronounce yeah, that. Yeah, not sure. That... Um, but either way, uh, two guys who have never played with this team before, coming in at the last second, rarely a positive thing for for a team to kind of come through. They didn't manage to get a game off of Dignitas. You know, when you, I guess the question becomes, you know, obviously this isn't the team that they're going to be a week from now, but did you see anything in this game that they can take away from as far as the members who are more permanent uh, on this team?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think they did pretty well for having some difficult opponents. Obviously they had to go against Dignitas, you know, match one, and then they had to go against My Insanity, um, which was a team that other, um, other teams like Dignitas had said, are strong contenders you know we had seen previous things from like the old alternate fancy roster and stuff like that when they um played against team dignitas and some enter the storm tournaments a lot of people were um hyped up about them but i think tcm did a good job against uh their in their win against dignitas and i actually really like their pick of um Anubarak, I think they played it in the My Insanity game, but I think a lot of people undervalue Anubarak. I think he's a really good, um, tank in the fact, or like warrior in the fact that he has cocoon that can be a pretty big ultimate for some of those burst healers. You know, like he can get a Malfurion if they don't pick ice block. He can kind of eliminate that tranquility. If more people are going towards medic, you know, he can cocoon medic and maybe blow up one of the, other people or get his team um, some time to maybe surround the medics. And when she does pop out of the cocoon, you can, you know, insta blow her up and she doesn't have much time to get in the right position to escape. So I think um, TCM has some strong players and I'm not sure how much AD already contributed to the draft. I know he did a lot on Dignitas, but I don't know his role how much he influenced their draft in the DreamHack games. But I think if they continue to play some of their picks, you know, they were a little too reliant, I think, on Tassadar. They played him a lot and then he was either banned against them and so they didn't have the option to pick him. So, you know, I think they should kind of look to something more aggressive instead of their normal, like, Tassadar, right wing, things like that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's very fair. Uh, first of all, I do think you could see the ADRD influence on this team throughout yeah. the draft. There were some of those compositions that just felt very like, oh, wait, Dignitas. This is kind of, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're throwing in these, you know, these very high-risk, high-reward compositions. I mean, you brought up the Anubarak game, which was my favorite game of theirs for sure, just because Rammerballer, I think, played very well with that hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But it's, you know, you've got Tyrael, you've got Uther, you've got you know, two very squishy um, damage dealers, you basically have to land those Sanctifications and the Divine Shields perfectly for that to work. And that requires a coordination that's really hard to have when you only had three of these players play with each other before. I think it was, you you could imagine that, well, I, you know, if you're ADRD, I think you put this on your resume and you say, look at all these cool things I drafted. Look at how I understand the theory behind these things. But you also have to wonder, like, I don't think that put them in the best place to succeed. Uh, more worrying, though, uh, I think for them in the long run, is Holoconardus, who was their uh, damage dealer, their main carry. Uh, he had yeah, a rough Kael'thas, tournament.
1: Kael'thas, didn't he? He played Kael'thas once, and I think he died a lot. <laughs> yeah. If I remember correctly, because there were some... The casters were talking about, like, yeah, Kael'thas is this huge pick, you know, if he's not... He's normally first picked, but you better have a carry who can position correctly on him because there's a few uh, Tomb of the Spider Queen games where, you know, ETC or someone comes out of the Fog of War and Kalthos is kind of just sitting there hoping he can land the Gravity Lapse, but not always.
0: No, it did not work very well for him. That's my big concern for this team is that I, I think that Rummerballer is going to be great. I think that they have some pieces around them, but if is is playing like that, they're not going to get past where they are right now. That's not an acceptable level of play from a carry when the rest of Europe has gotten as good as they have in terms of refining these compositions and making the use out of those kinds of assassins. That was a concern to me. But, you know, this was a team that a lot of people didn't expect a lot out of. Uh, Certainly getting a win off of Dignitas has to feel good for ADRD. Uh, They were the only team in the group to get a win off of Dignitas. (laughs) So they'll take that, I'm pretty sure. And who knows where ADRD goes next. I think that's probably the most interesting subplot of all this is mm-hmm. we have no idea where ADRD is actually going to sign. And there are a few teams here that are probably going to be looking to get that fifth piece. One of those teams might be Virtus Pro. Uh they were the last team yes. in the group B. I was texting my uh, Walter at the time and I I told him, I think this Virtus Pro team might be the best terrible team I've ever seen because it was so clear that they knew what to do, and they just didn't seem capable of executing it when, on these rotations. What were you thinking when you were watching this Virtus. Pro team and they them kind of struggling to uh, reclaim some of the former glory that this Orgas had?
1: Yeah, I, their uh, prioritization on Lieutenant Morales was actually pretty interesting. I didn't expect it really from them. I knew Dignitas had been running it a little bit. I know uh, Bakery has been talking about how he really likes the medic and it can be pretty good. um, Especially if you know how to draft around her. So they picked Morales and then they sometimes didn't pick her in the right spot. You know, I don't think you can accurate you as a Morales player, you don't really want to pick a Morales into an Illidan. you know, against G2, they, The Illidan was already locked in. It already had the Uther with it, and they still opted for Lieutenant Morales. So I'm curious to see if if that's their crutch, if that's what they build everything around with Lieutenant Morales, or they have a lot of success with it. But I think they need to step back a bit and look at some of their drafting. I think it's really suspect. You know, I don't think you can pick a Morales into something like an Illidan with an Uther and they had the option to still pick Abathur too. So that's just, if I pick Lieutenant Morales and there's a Uther, I mean, a Illidan on the other team, I'm, I'm just like, team, please protect me. I don't want to play this right now. Like, you know, and so I think, I know that I think they had a one new player, right? Power of Dreams?
0: Power of Dreams it. is a guy he'd played in the Fragbite tournament for them and I will say yeah. the thing that I I did like from this is that it does look like Power of Dreams is the answer as to who that fifth guy might be if they can't get someone like an ADRD of course who pretty much mm-hmm. any of these teams would uh, any of these teams from the bottom half of this tournament would gladly drop a guy to get a guy like ADRD. But he played fine. I liked what yeah. he was doing, he certainly played a lot better than he did at Fragbite, where he was more of a liability, especially on uh, on his Muradin and his ETC. He got caught out just way too much uh, in that tournament. Here, he was not the problem. He was getting engages, he was setting his teammates up, but the teammates weren't closing. I
1: think he played a lot better on the Muradin this time, especially he. I think they practiced Morales a lot, so they know kind of how to use her. So he would you know, engage with Muradin and then maybe get a little low and he would immediately dwarf toss out and kind of stay around the side trying to maybe peel for his team, but just make sure that Medic had enough time to heal him up before he got back. And I think if Virtus Pro kind of like look at their carries, I think Sefka is... Sometimes he would have Stim Drone on him as Raynor and he would just, you know, he's like, no, I don't, I don't really want to do any damage right now. So I think... <laughs> You know, I think that they need to look at their carries. I think their two tanks, Power of Dreams, like when he plays the Murden or the ETC, and BKID are are BKB are um, pretty good. I think they if they can build a lot around them, and just kind of look at their uh, carries. Because I know I don't know what kind of hero Sefka plays. I knew he was a big Zeratul player, and unfortunately Zeratul is kind of spending his time in the dumpster. So uh. I don't know how many these teams, like, what they were doing while BlizzCon was going on? You know, like, mm-hmm. are they practicing? Are they, you know, picking up new heroes? Are they still just trying to finalize rosters? Like, what are they doing during this offseason to make sure that they are prepared when they do have another game?
0: Well, here's so. the answer I could tell you for Virtus Pro: uh, Not very well. They had a <laughs> 44% win rate in October, uh, yeah. which was the weakest month of tournaments because all of the best teams were at DreamHack. That's mm-hmm. a really startling sign. And the problem has been that they couldn't figure out who that fifth guy was. They finally settled on Power of Dreams, and that helps. But when Sebka's playing like that, when Andy Lendy is getting caught out of position as often as he was, you've got a problem. I think both Pro and TCM have to be leaving this tournament saying, our tanks did not fail us here, but our carries sure did, and... When you have so many teams that are now focusing on rotations, focus on really coming together as a unit. You know, Fnatic and Liquid are going to get better from here. Dignitas is going to eventually yeah. gel. You know, I don't think you can afford to have that kind of carry that you know is constantly trying to make a play and is a liability in that way, or like Sebka, who just never makes a play. And you mm-hmm. find yourself constantly playing on the back foot. And like I said, I, I want to give them a little bit of, of credit. Despite the poor drafts, I do think their rotations were solid. They seem to be at the right fights at the right time. You don't win two games in a group stage with Liquid and Fnatic in it unless you're capable of doing that. I just I think that some of the strategic uh, decisions that they made going into the game created a really... In untenable situation once they finally loaded up into the nexus, and I don't, I don't know how you fix that. I, you know, getting a guy like ADRD who really understands the meta would do it, but maybe it's a coaching thing. Maybe there's just some levels they're going to need to look at before they come around next time. Uh, another team that's got some questions to that I want answered at least on the strategic side of things is Rockat who immediately surprises (laughs) everyone by beating my insanity in the first series and then losing every other game they played the entire tournament. What happened? What why did they suddenly get good and then suddenly decide never to be good again (laughs) after that first group stage match?
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened with Rocket. I think in their game versus Dignitas, I think that you know, I think Dignitas actually played really well, so I'm gonna try and give more credit to Dignitas than take it away from Rocket. Like game one on Dragonshire. It's it's gonna be really hard to do something against medic Shen. You know, they drafted the Butcher, which was I think it was really good. It's you know, it's one of the risks of picking up Lieutenant Morales. Like if your opponents have an extra draft slot, like they will look for a Butcher. They will look for a Kerrigan. Like they'll look for something like that. Uh And So I think they did a good job trying to pick up the butcher and he was able to, you know, lane pretty well against the Shen. But I, I mean, a Angel is really, he knows a lot of, he plays a lot of Panda and Mm -hmm. he's really good at just being annoying and just, you know, drinking in front of your towers, like letting (laughs) them hit him. He's like, I don't care. Like I have my shield. I'm just wasting all your ammo, you know. Mm
0: -hmm. That was, that was certainly a rough series for them. But as you said, Dignitas it's a very good team, but Rocket, it just, it felt like they put everything into this passive style of play, which is very not like them. If you, you know, I was talking <laughs> to Josh going into the tournament and one of the things that's like, oh, it's Rocket, They, they go aggressive and they overextend and it's a problem. And it seems like they really took that to heart in the off season. And now they're like, no, we're not, we're not pushing too hard on any of these fights. Yeah. We're going to take our time and we're going to let the fights come to us And in the first series against My Insanity, I think that worked because My Insanity wasn't expecting it. And they did overextend these fights. They let Red X Mm -hmm. kind of turn some of these things around. They let Grand Paquette kind of, you know, heal up Hasuops, and suddenly, you know, Falstad's back at full health and what are you going to do? And, you know, they were able to, to play that defensive game very well. But they didn't have another strategy. You know, when Dignitas kind of exposed... Yeah, if you just go at them knowing that they're gonna play this passively, you can just overpower them. And my insanity took that and said, Oh, we can do that. And that's in ga- and day two was just a complete reversal of everything we'd seen the first time these two teams met each other. And it it's worrying for me as a guy who likes Rocket in general. Um, mostly because I think Red X will sign with a better team just by how solid he looked on that, you know, on that roster compared to but the surrounding talent was. Where do you see Rocket heading next? Like, what do you think the future holds for this team? Can they can they keep this together, or is this a fundamentally flawed team?
1: Um, I think they can. You know, I'm when there's new rosters and when you lose people, I'm kind of. I think that people need a few more. I don't know honestly when they when Rocket, you know, when Chris left and um, when they picked up all the other people. But I'm normally normally give it a few, you know, one tournament, see how you do, see if you, you know, didn't meet expectations or something didn't mesh right, you know. It's really hard. Some of these, uh like, some of the players aren't as talkative when it comes to the team's environment. Like, with Dignitas, we always knew that Adiardi does the shot calling. He does the drafting, you know. He's an important part of this. But with other teams, like you know, and you know, Liquid now they have Garrett. he does their shot calling things for some of these other teams. I don't know when they lose members, how important are these members to the actual team? Like our rocket just looking for their shot caller. Are they trying to find, and that's why they looked kind of lost. They just, hmm. they have something where like all five of them are trying to talk and then one person's just trying to make the final decision. Do we do this or do we not? And if they don't, decide then they just opt to stay back, you know? That was a one of the things I noticed. A lot of the teams just in this tournament, they seemed a little nervous, you know. They sometimes they would have a lead and they would just be like, no, no we'll just we'll just go back, you know. It's it's okay, you know. But when you see other teams like Cloud Nine is really, really great at this, once the as soon as they have a talent advantage, like, you know, boom, they hit twenty, boom, they're going after your keep, you know. The other mm-hmm. teams nineteen, they're they instantly know what they're doing, and so I don't know if that is, you know, just the style that they like. They're really aggressive, or if that's just because they've been working together, because they have a great shot caller, because they just trust each other, and that's what these other teams are looking for. They just need some more time, you know. I think I think Rocket are in a better place than some of these other teams that went to the tournament. You know, they still were able to pick up a win against My Insanity, which is, Which is a good team, I think. I think My Insanity is a pretty good team. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously they, their second, their second day, I don't know if it was a, a kind of a map thing, you know, they played against Dignitas, they played on Dragonshire and Infernal Shrines. On against My Insanity, they played on Dragonshire and Infernal Shrines. Like some of these teams, like for some maps, they just aren't quite sure. And especially Dragonshire, it's a really big, it's a map that's can really hurt you if you don't have good communication on rotations, where everyone's going, you know. Is someone covering middle for that Dragonite? Like
0: Right. So. And which is why I think it's so funny that Rockat picked that map in both of those series. Yeah. Like yeah. May- maybe if you guys are, are not so sure on the communication, that's not the map to go to. It's okay. We don't we don't we see plenty of games on Dragonshire, guys. You can pick something else. Uh, haunted minds would love some love. Uh, it it really was uh, interesting to watch. And I think you touched on a really good point about shot-calling in this tournament and how it really changed everything. Because, yeah, Rockout played like a team that didn't have a shot-caller, at least not a shot-caller that they were confident in and had a lot of faith in. And that happens when you have two guys in Grand Paquette and Red X who are very new to the roster and they're still sorting out some of these mechanics. I'd love to see them get the time to do it. I have a very bad feeling just as someone who watched the League of Legends Rocket team have all their talent stripped <laughs> away from them in the last minute. Yeah. I have a feeling that there are, people are going to be looking at Grand Paquette and Red X as potential signings, and we're going to have to see what this team looks like a month from now. But certainly, that is a fixable problem with enough time, and I agree with you that they do deserve that opportunity. Uh, a team that doesn't have that excuse, that has got to be feeling very worried right now, about their role in the European scene is G2 Esports. You know, this is a team that has played together for a long time. And when you yeah. ask people in online tournaments, you know, all these European teams are like, "Man, they're so good. They're constantly putting us on the back foot." You know, we think they're a top, you know, top two team in our region. They just, you know, didn't do well on the tournament to BlizzCon. But everything else, they're they're super scary. And we see them at a LAN. You know, this is their chance to prove they are that scary team, and they did. Nothing to kind of earn that reputation. Are, yeah, I mean, where are we with G two? Is this is this a team that you know you have to start thinking about when you're going to blow it up, or was this you know some over extensions in terms of some some weird hero picks like Joe's Nova <laughs> picks? You know, is it was it more those kind of problems? Where do you stand with this team?
1: Yeah, I think I feel bad a little bit bad for G two having to go against Liquid both two times, and they have the history of almost always losing to liquid. I mean, at one point in time, everyone was losing to liquid. So, but G2, I think are a really consistent team in the fact that, you know, if there's a tournament, you will normally see G2 there, you know, like we saw them at the road to BlizzCon, you know, they were there, they just lost to Navi, you know, they're always at the tournament. They're always, you know, they always qualify for the tournament, you know, but I don't, I think this honestly I think this roster needs some changes. You know, they haven't you know, they're just not quite there. They're always fifth, sixth, something like that. They're in the upper half, but they're not consistent enough to beat the upper half. Yeah. You know, I think they will always beat teams below them, you know. They'll they'll take games off of, you know, they'll win the matches against Virtus Pro, against the TCMs, against you know some of the lower teams, but they they'll just struggle against the fanatics, liquids, Dignitas. I think that they're just stuck in that not quite top three, not quite bottom three type thing, and they just need something to you't know spice it up, change it up. It's not working for them now.
0: Yeah. And and some uh, of their hero picks I think were an attempt to spice that up. Like who would have thought we were gonna see Nova multiple times in this tournament? I think that's yeah. certainly a spice to throw in there. I'm not sure if it was the best one. Uh I I'm very worried about Leo from Korea and in- uh, Sishu? I don't I'm, I'm terrible with names. Oh, you guys, yeah. I can't do these you, European the, names the,
1: normally. The,
0: the Polish is in or general. Something? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's whatever. It's the, the warrior from G2 who kept dying a lot. That's the one that I'm worried about. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. They really just didn't seem to have that same understanding of some of these objectives that a team like Liquid did. You know, Liquid, when they're playing well, you know, it's so fluid, and it's just this, it's almost like you're just watching just a river just wash a team away, because they're getting every objective, they're getting all the fights, it just, it looks so smooth and crisp. And when G2, you know, when you watch G2, it's never that. It's, you know, when Joe will go for these super aggressive builds, Bachek will go for very aggressive stuff, uh, and when they get going on these greedy builds, then great, but... Against good teams, you're not gonna be able to do that. Uh you can you can snowball a game once and you can snowball it against a team like Virtus Pro that's, you know, still in that we are trying to figure out who we are and what our identity is kind of state of their of, of their being. But you can't do it against the big boys. And we've seen this enough to know that G two is not magically gonna get better overnight. There's there's not gonna be some big revelation where suddenly Knicker becomes the top two kind of support and can just raise these guys up. That's that's not going to happen. And they need to find talent from somewhere. My big concern with that is that right now this is an all-Polish team. And I don't know if language is holding them back in terms of acquiring free agents, but we've seen that happen. You know, these regional units, if they can't communicate as effectively in English, uh, there might be a transition period, and it might really limit the types of players that are available to them. It's certainly going to be something to watch going forward, because I think if you're G2, you have to look at this and say, this is the death knell. We can't keep doing this. It's not going to get better until we do something about it. And uh, and that's where they have to go from here. Uh, meanwhile, Dignitas, you know, they ended up tied for no, third in this Dignitas. tournament. I know, you're a Dignitas fan, as you told me in the pre-call. So this is, yeah. I'm just going to let you take the floor here. I mean, this is a team that you know, this is where Josh and I kind of expected them to land ultimately in this tournament, just because they had such little time to gel as a unit. Were you happy with how things went? Were you disappointed with the way the semifinals broke down? What were your final thoughts on them?
1: Um, I think I think they landed about where I expected them. Obviously, they came back from BlizzCon. They don't have much time to... Um, adjust to the new picks or the meta you know and they also have new players and on top of that apparently people are just denying them scrims and you know take that with what you will um, but i think that they um actually did a really good job i love their new pickups schwimpy adds a lot to the roster because he plays you know he'll play johanna he's like they're kind of warrior player but then he will also like anytime Tyrande is open it is it is Schwimpies like he then JPL will go to be a tank or you're like Snitch Snitch will go and like play Murden or whatever um but then he also played the Lost Vikings and he did a great job on the Lost Vikings pick especially with the play like no one ever picks play again you know that's that's one of the things you see in competitive they're like did they misclick you know it's one of those things that um, was really surprising, but I think actually really worked out for them. And I think JPL is a really good carry, but I'm wondering what happens when Schwimpy doesn't play their tanks because I normally see JPL play Diablo, which is something that concerns me a little because if you know they have a lot of people who are a lot of players who are great on certain picks, but then what happens if these things? you know, don't align. If Schwimpy gets Tyronda, who's playing the tank? Is it Snitch? Do you have to draft Murden? Is it JPL? Do you have to draft Diablo? Like, you know, and sometimes they had some weird things like they drafted Teriel, who is uh, a great pick for Ethereal Angel, but they didn't actually put him on Teriel. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm just wondering how they will fit their um hero pools together. I think their hero pools definitely you know, increased with the changes to, um, Schwimpy and JPL from Zarmini and ADRD. But I'm just hoping that they will get everything together. Their team, the team Liquid loss really, really hurt me deep. Um, it's they a were tuff, so close it's a that tough loss. the throw, the throw at the core.
0: <laughs> it really was one of these things, you know, I, I haven't decided who my favorite team is yet. So I'm able to watch these things and just enjoy the stories of it. But there were there were three games here. I mean every single one of the games they lost, they could have won had they either, you know, had a little bit more damage, been a mm-hmm. little bit more together on their defense and or had they just not overextended. And you could see that this was a team that understood that they are talented. You know, Schwimpy played very well. JPL, these you know, these yeah. are both world-class pickups. They played to the level that we expected them to play as individuals. Um, some of that, you know, champion stuff, how they're going to balance that out, uh, that's something that only happens with time. And I think that they mm-hmm. showed an ability to kind of adjust from game to game. We saw Schwimpy do a lot of different things uh, over the course of this. And I actually really liked that we got to see a Angel on Sonya because he's been so typically yeah. stuck that's- on these hard tanks. Like getting to see him actually do damage was a lot of fun. I just, I, mm-hmm. I hope he enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed watching it. But, you know, this is a team that as soon as they thought they could win the game, they would go in on this one play and it would cost them. And it cost them yeah. game two when they allowed the back door because they they hadn't scouted that properly out. Mm-hmm. Game three, you know, they, they went all in on that end game, got it all the way down to 12, but 12 is not zero. 12 does not win you the game, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and game four was, again, another just overextension. And, and you can fix that. The good news is that you can figure out how to, you know, take things a little bit more slowly, to not get overexcited, to not overextend because you so desperately want to, pull these victories off. And it did feel like a team that had a lot of pressure on themselves to mm-hmm. win these games, to take these commanding fights. And you saw it in, in, in their Twitters afterwards, you know, Schwimpy tweeted out something like, I'm sorry, I let all you guys down. Like you got third in your first performance as a team. Yeah, they have
1: a lot of expectations on themselves and uh, I don't think they have too many problems, mostly just the shot calling thing. Like I don't actually know, you know, this is one of the other cases, like who is shot calling now? You know, a lot of the casters joke about, like, how they listen in on Dignitas' comms, and it's just, like, pure silence. Like, mm. is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? You know, like, are they just taking the silence to concentrate? Are they taking the silence because they have nothing else to say? Like, there's no one talking? You know, that's a big problem for some new teams. But yeah. one of the other areas that I think is a little worrying for Dignitas, as much as I love Bakery, is, you know – if Uther is not available, then he normally goes for kerosene. And one of the great things that Liquid does, did is because they have lull, they can pick up the damaged kerosene and take that away from bakery. Mm-hmm. And so bakery he is you know, once Uther and once kerosene are out, he goes towards medic. And that can be something that teams start to expect and start to really punish them for. That's one thing that I'm a little skeptical about. I don't think his Bright Wing play is very good. It's one of I think his weakest healers. Honestly I've watched a lot of his Brightwing and it is not the best. Um, that's one of the things that, you know, is a little worrying, but they shouldn't it depends on how many teams actually start to pick up this this damaged cars and how many teams can actually play play it well and play around it to start picking that against Dignitas, because that was one of the things that Cloud9 used in their BlizzCon matches. You know, they mm-hmm. they took the Karazim away from Bakery. They did not let him have it. And sometimes, if they did, they knew exactly what to do against it. So, yeah, their drafting can be a little, you know, easy to read at times. So,
0: yeah, it's it's definitely something that's he's going to have to grow into now that this damage Karazim is a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many teams can realistically pull it off because damage Karazim is just such. A hard hero to balance. You know, you need yeah. to do so many. Uh, you know, yeah, you have to still take some healing traits so that you're able to add that utility with your team. But at the same time, you need to time that burst. You know, exactly right. Otherwise, you end up having you know just a whole bunch of nothing. You know, it's very pretty nothing when he does his own. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, <laughs> if you don't time it properly, it doesn't really do much for the team as a whole. And, and that's something I, I think they can fix. I think Schwimpy, what. You know The great thing about having Schwimpy and JPL is that now they have so many new different types of compositions that they can you know, get used to. But mm-hmm. they need to figure out who that leader is going to be and how they're going to approach this stuff. Because if they don't have a unified plan and if the comms are as silent as people are joking that they are, that's a problem. And if they're not getting scrim partners because people aren't enjoying their experience with them, uh, that's also – a problem. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to them. I'm also interested in my insanity. You know, this is a team that was ranked five, fifth on Gosu Gamers, I should say, uh, heading into the tournament. They were the former uh, Team Spartanian. You had a lot of questions as to whether this team was going to be able to perform as well on LAN as they had in some of these uh, other tournaments. Uh, given that, you know, this is not a team that had a a huge long term win rate. Uh, even though they played together for a while, it was only very recently that they'd kind of put the pieces together. And here we see them tied for third in this tournament. Uh, were you impressed by what you saw from them in this tournament? Or do you think that it was more of a result of being in a group with, you know, a ad and a TCM that maybe weren't as strong as people might have hoped going into this?
1: Uh, yeah, I think they benefited a little bit, of course, from their group. You know, they don't have to... You know, you don't have to worry about your first round match or something like that if you're playing against TCM, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they obviously made it into DreamHack, so they deserve to be there, they qualify for it, but it's not something that you are that worried about, but I expected about what I got from my insanity, you know, I liked them when they were Team Spartanian, I liked them when they had players from Alternate Fancy, you know. I like that they play Thrall. I really like that I think that adds a lot to their draft sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't work out all the time. I think I saw some few misunderings from Dark Mock and, you know, a few few uh interesting plays, you know, but I think I got what they expected. Yeah, so uh the score just released today that uh My Insanity lost Crosby and he will going he will be subbing for Navi along with Grandpaquette from Rocket. Oh no. So, you know, My Insanity hopefully they will um you know, get their you know, find someone to replace Crosby and also they um had said that Whoopi, their Healer is actually just a substitute. It's just a sub, you know, he's not mm-hmm. confirmed on the team or anything. So, um, uh, there could be some more, some more difficulties down the road for my insanity.
0: Um, yeah, this is, this is a team that is very up in the air. It's never a good sign when you're making releases about a player leaving, uh, literally less than a week after your last tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Dark Mo I mean, I like the core of this team. I like Dark Mock. I like Blumby. I think mm-hmm. both of them, you know, did their job very well. And in game one, when they were able to win on Battlefield of Eternity against Fnatic, yeah, those they had a great, quick, surprising game. They took those immortals and they showed Fnatic, like, hey, we can throw a punch. And Fnatic said, Can you throw two? And my Insanity said, No. It was just really sad <laughs> to just see the letdown on Infernal Shrines where they did not get a single kill, fort, or Punisher. And that's, you know, when you see that, you kind of knew this this tournament was over for them. You don't come back from a loss that's that one-sided. And, and, you know, like you said, this is now a team that is as up in the air as any of the teams we mentioned earlier, you know, that are now having to rebuild. This is, yeah. you know, they've got to find whatever those pieces are going to be, and I don't know where they're going to come from. You know, if Navi is taking Grand Paquette and they're taking Crosby, well, then you're left with, which I don't, I'm trying to figure out why they need both, given that they still have, I guess that means they're not feeling all that great about Zarmini, which I find interesting given that they traded yeah, for Yeah, so
1: they have Alex, the Pro-G, which is their warrior player, and mm-hmm. then they have Splendor as their healer, right? And then, because they lost...
0: Yeah, and they have Aethernal as their carry. Oh yeah, yeah. They so have so, so just they just don't believe in Zarmony. Zarmony still and then they
1: have so yeah, it's it's that's... either you know well, so why is Grandpa Ket coming in if yeah, they have Splendor? Saying.
0: That's they they clearly don't believe in somebody. There's more to this than we're yeah. than we're learning. And with Navi being up in the air, you know, that's the one team that is obviously not at this tournament that mm-hmm. is still going to have a huge impact on where the European scene ends up. It will be very interesting to see you know, whether they can reclaim the European throne uh, once they return to a, a full roster. But
1: mm-hmm. there are
0: just so many things that are up in the air right now. It's a shame that my insanity is going to go from a team that you know, did fairly well at this tournament to a team yeah. that now has as many question marks as anyone in Europe right now. But that leads us to the finals, which were played between Liquid and Fnatic. And it really is hard – to talk about one of these teams without the other, because their finals and their their meet-up in the group stage just said so much about where Europe is going as a whole right now. And, you know, Fnatic, winning this tournament, I think, is is huge, not just because it unseats Liquid, who were three-time champs, but also because they're such a young roster. Were you... Well, you know, at the end of the day, what do you think this final series said more about? Was this Fnatic winning, or was this, as one of the casters would say, after the, uh, let's say, poorly advised uh, Game 3 rush into the tournament, uh, into the core by Liquid uh, Liquid losing this tournament?
1: Besides Game 3, where Liquid clearly had some brain lag and ran into the tournament with, uh, ran into the core, I mean, with four people against five, and then also tried to save someone. So they just lost, you know, lost some more people. Uh, I think this was more about Fnatic. I really like their roster. Um, I think it's really great. Their are uh, and Smexy Style, who were previously from Pirates in Pajamas, which was a team, you know, that lost both of their both their games in Prague they just you know they were they, they were there they showed up and they never made it to the actual stage you know they just played the first day and they lost both their games and you know they were they were out nobody expected them to get very far so I'm really excited to see these two players come from a previous team that didn't have much success and find you know quick success you know they came in second at fragbite and they win dreamhack you know i really like um their roster and I think Quaknix is a really good player. His stat, of course is the best. You know, mm-hmm. he loves the he loves the hero. And I think his Sonya is really good. He plays a lot of um different heroes. One of his year he played a Kerrigan game that was less than inspiring, I guess I should say. Maybe I just watch too many, you know, Murloc genius Kerrigan games. So <laughs> you know, it's hard to compare, you know, I think his Kerrigan game was okay, but, you know, he did really good on Sonya, and he did – his false dad was really great. And I think a lot of their – you know, Smexy style was good. He played a good Karazim. He um did really well. I think Liquid lost their first meeting with Fnatic more than Fnatic won it. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, it was, of course, you know, everyone – all of the players – Talk about how it was at you know like 1 a.m. or something like that. It was really late, and they had they had had to wake up really early the morning before. And so, of course, it affects both teams. So I was hoping in the next you know the next time that Liquid and Fnatic could potentially meet up. You know, which happened to be in the finals. I was hoping that Liquid would make it a little more even um, because their first meeting was anything but even. And a really interesting thing that I noticed that I think Liquid need to look at is they are one in five on Dragonshire and their one win was against G2 and they were losing the early game. So I think that if you want to beat, you know, one of the easiest ways to get a win off of Liquid is to bring them to Dragonshire. They don't seem like they know exactly what they're doing, you know? And I think their early game is incredibly, incredibly important because When they win the early game, you see some great games. You see some perfect games. You know, their their games against G2 were phenomenal. You know, they didn't look like they missed a beat. They won the early game, and they just quickly, you know, knew exactly what to do. But when they're behind or when they're, you know, going even or they're losing that early game, they just kind of look a little lost. And their draft is – I don't quite like their drafting at times. You know, on Tomb of the Spider Queen, they – I know Gerdem heard their support. He really likes Tassadar and Tyrande supports, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're that good by themselves unless you have, you know, unless you pick Tyrande and you have a really early game composition, you know, on something like Tomb of the Spider Queen where you can take advantage of that. But, you know, if you pick a Tassadar, a solo support, even if he goes into, you know, the Caldor's Embrace or the Shield Talons, he can't, he can't do anything against, you know, Fnatic had Kael'thas, Fnatic had Falstad, Zagara. You know, Tassadar is not going to be able to keep up, and they just they lost. You know, Fnatic just swept them in that meeting. And in the finals, I think WOOL is very good, but he has a small hero pool from what I've actually seen. You know, he really likes Sonya, and he plays her well. He pulled out the damaged Karazim, and then he opts for a Thrall when they're both you know, if they're taken away or banned. And sometimes, you know, teams can bait him into that. He picked Thrall when he was against, you know, Sonya, you know, Tyrael, something. You no, know, you don't want to pick Thrall into, against these things that can stun you, that can do more damage than you. You know, and it didn't, sometimes it doesn't look good.
0: It was really rough with Lowell. It was very feast or famine with him. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, uh, going back to your... Uh, original comment. Brain lag is my new favorite thing I've ever heard. I think I need to use that. I
1: think it's a nice way to say that they, you know, GG, you know, go to the next game too. No,
0: absolutely. I'm, I'm stealing that for the record. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. That was, (laughs) that was brilliant. Uh, the Tyrande point you made is also, I think a really smart one. She was banned 75% of the games in this tournament and then went 33% on the win rate when she actually was played. A very yeah. overrated. And, you know, with Tyrael, people say, oh, material was the same way. 11 bands, only a 33% win rate. It's like, yeah, but material is a hero who, by definition, is very difficult to play correctly. You know, if you mm-hmm. don't land the Sanctification because your team's not in coordination, you know, that, that hero is now much less useful. So yeah. a lot of those losses came because it was being played by bad teams. And the bands were going against teams that were actually good at playing Tyrael, Whereas Toronto yeah, was just like your dignitas
1: ban- and things like that who have really good Tyrael players. You know, you're going to ban Tyrael against them and I don't I think Tyrael is a is a really good pick and we've seen his ability to win games. You know, I don't think he lost a game at BlizzCon. There were teams that knew exactly what to do and his sanctification can really work well. Like the casters were talking about how Tyrael and Malfurion can just win you a team fight, you know, you get really low, your pops that sanctification, Malfurion has tranquility and suddenly you're just hundred percent and you just re engage. I think it takes mm-hmm. a lot of coordination to say, Hey guys, like, you know, come back a bit. We're gonna group up on pop my sanctification, then we're gonna go. You know, and sometimes and one of the things that I saw with um that's really apparent in this tournament about like and it really shows all how all these new teams are working together is their ability to not coordinate heroics you know i saw a few sanctifications that went off when someone had a divine palm on them you know Mm -hmm. and then that's down if you don't go into peaceful repost at level 20 you know that that that's down you know for a good Mm -hmm. 50 seconds or something like that it's a long cooldown and a lot of people you know the etc was a big pick and so was false sad you know, some teams worked really well with that combination. Like Fnatic, they got a huge Mighty Gust into a mosh pit and won the game. And then other teams, they mosh pit and then false said Mighty Gust and all the dancing people are just out. You know, they yeah. just ruined your own combination. So,
0: And th- and that's really, I think, what this Liquid and Fnatic series w- ended up being at the end of the day. You know, like you said, when Liquid wins, they win great. But if you look at what they had to do against Fnatic, they lose both of the games in the group stage. Their only win in the finals came because they pulled off the backdoor, which was an incredibly gutsy backdoor. They almost got wiped and lost the game immediately off of that. If Fnatic is maybe a second earlier to that backdoor, they lose that game. Battlefield of Eternity, they were atrocious. They just gave up every immortal without gaining anything in response. Uh, mm-hmm. Garden of Terror was maybe their closest game, but in, they then screw that up with that <laughs> ill-advised run into the core. And, and in Sky Temple, again, so it was, confused. you know, sc-
1: I'm Sky... so confused about their uh, Garden of Terror map. Like, I don't know how you can, you know, sometimes you're just not thinking, but I don't know how you can walk past a wall, like the opponent's wall, and be like, yeah, keep going, you know, like... <laughs> opponents just saw you like the team is coming back. Like, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it, Whatever.
0: I, it I'm felt sure. like a team that knew they couldn't win if they played straight up. That's what it felt like. Yeah. It felt like this team knew that the way that Fnatic was playing, you know, with breeze and, you know, all, you know, landing these ETC ults over and over and mm-hmm. over again with just, you know, time and time again, these fights were so beautifully in their favor. Quacknix had an amazing tournament. Uh, you know, yeah. I love seeing a Sonya. I love seeing his false dad. I love that Manet could just go, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to be a second carry now and I'll play Kael'thas and Jaina. And you'll forget that I'm not actually the assassin on this team because I'm going to have our assassin play uh, play Sonya because we're just awesome like that. And, yeah. and Smexy, you know, he did enough. Shad had some really great games. And at the end That's of the a day... great Tassadar. Shad, he oh, played it. Yeah. A-
1: his Tastar was really good. And the funniest thing about Mene is, like, uh, Todd on the desk was joking that, like, Mene can only play Kael'thas and Jaina, and if they're not banned, you know, then he has to go to Sonya, which he's really not great on, or he has to go to Tastar, but he had enough people around him that were picking up the slack that, you know, that they still won, and it's a little worrying, you know, when... Fnatic is able to pick up the Jaina or the Kael'thas for a minute, or he feels like more comfortable on these heroes. What can this team do?
0: It's uh, it's definitely going to be fun to watch where Fnatic goes next. This is a young team, and they've already won one of the bigger tournaments that Europe has to offer. Yes, it's early on in the season. Yes, there are a whole bunch of signings that are going to be you know still have to come through. But when all these players are playing at this level already, and teams like Liquid, who have been so dominant throughout Europe, are playing like they're scared of them, that's about everything you could hope for as a fanatic fan. I'm really excited to see where this region goes. I think it's going to be a lot more fun once some of this you know, off-season dust settles. We start mm-hmm. having some more defined rosters. We figure out who Navi's five are actually going to be. Uh, you know who my insanity and rockad and 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 g2 end up with at the end of the day it's going to be a very interesting region it's going to be very fun to watch and see if they can you know take that next step uh from where the, how they did at blizzcon uh it's going to be just a really exciting year given all the international tournaments we have coming our way jen thank you so much for coming on the show uh is there anything you'd like to plug on your way out
1: uh yeah uh you can follow me at uh, f is for flash it's a lame Twitter handle, but I made my Twitter when Riot was holding the polls or whatever. They had some league poll. Uh, mm-hmm. If you are, as a jungler, if you keep your um, F on, if you keep Flash on F, or if you keep Smite, you know, so I just. I'm, I'm not
0: very creative, so I just said, F is from Flash. I mean, it was a great Medios <laughs> quote. You can take that one. It's it's yeah. it certainly not D for Flash, right? We can agree on that. <laughs> yep. Um, and you totally should follow her, by the way. Uh, you, like me, tend to tweet a lot during all of these Heroes of the Storm events. So if you're looking yeah. for someone to talk Heroes of the Storm with you, uh, we're both here, and we love doing it. And uh, like I said earlier, you can find your stuff uh, on Gold Per Ten, right? Yep, yep. Awesome. So you should do that. I am on iTunes, obviously, at the Esports Gambling Hour right now. Until we change our name, that's where to find us. Please do subscribe. That way, when we do change our name, you're already there. It'll change with you, and it'll be a beautiful, beautiful system. What a world we live in. Uh, Until then, SoundCloud.com slash Esports Gambling Hour as well, if you're one of those people that just really doesn't want to wait the half an hour for iTunes to pick up the RSS feed and get it on there. You can find me on Twitter at RedShirtKing, and... We've got some pretty exciting news over the next couple weeks about uh, where Walter and I are each heading next. So you guys are going to want to stick back to this space. Uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff going on. We're finally getting towards the end of some of these off-season shenanigans. And it'll be fun to talk about some, some real tournaments coming up, including IEM Cologne, which we're almost there for, for League of Legends. So until next time, goodbye, Internet.